and welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan, and that's Matt. Hey, Matt, it's like a weapon of self-defense against the present tense. Ryan, did I see you messing me around? I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want... And we are not alone. If you hear ambient noise... We are joined by guests uh, from the Always Already podcast because this is episode two of the crossover event of the brand <laughs> synergy opportunity, uh, the AAPTFT convocation. Uh, so uh, we're joined by Emily. Hey, Emily, uh, there's a spacecraft blocking out the sky. They never learn. <laughs> never. <laughs> spacecraft and, indeed never learn. And John, John, this is a low flying panic attack. You know, Ryan, it's a foul-tasting medicine still trapped in your full stop. It is. It's there. My full stop is just there <laughs> blocking it. Guys, this is, this is. I mean, as you probably gleaned if you listened to the previous episode, um, this is, uh, we're discussing Radiohead's Moon-Shaped Pool. Uh, if you didn't glean that, that means that you're a TFT listener. So we always instruct you at some point to pause the podcast, but we're going to actually instruct you now to pause the podcast and do two things. First, go back and listen to the Always Already podcast uh, episode on um, Marcuse's uh, One-Dimensional Man and OK Computer, and then make your way back here uh, after making a brief pit stop through Radiohead's Moon-Shaped Pool. So like all of us, like we all had extra homework this week, and we're, and we're just passing that down. Uh, and so, where can the listeners find the already, uh, always already podcast? We are on all platforms, always ready podcast dot wordpress dot com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at always already on. Where are we? SoundCloud, yeah. Patreon, like I, iTunes, obviously. Yeah. Um, Those are all good places. Yeah, you can just Google us. We're the only thing that shows up. Always already podcast. Yeah. All right, so Google Google the always already podcast. Find that first one because I think that this is going to. On the one hand, this will stand alone. It'll be us reacting um, to uh, to um, a moon shaped pool. But at the same hand, we are in one room. Uh, we've been we've been podcasting for for days now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This is the uh, the contested convention of podcasting, and uh, and, uh, and too soon, and 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 so uh, the, the, I think that the, there's a lot there's an ongoing conversation. So I think it's worth uh, picking up that first half of the conversation, um, and and definitely spend some time with Moonshade Pool. Um, it's a as you might expect from a Radiohead album takes quite a few spins. I think <laughs> it, it, it is not uh, you know last week we did Weezer, which you know. <laughs> takes really one spin, and like, you're like, I get it. Um, and this, this, I think, uh, the, the what's going on thematically, and I think what's, uh, I think, ultimately kind of enjoyable and interesting about this reveals itself on on multiple listens. And and so go over to um, I think a moonshapedpool.com is the place to get it uh, right now. Uh, I think uh, Radiohead, because uh, if you just Google, this is a case where if you Google a moonshaped pool, you might just get only the think pieces. You may not actually be able to find the album. <laughs> So Google Always Already Podcast, you will find the podcast. If you Google a moonshaped pool or Radiohead, you will just be, you will drown in the sea of, uh, of, of think pool. pieces. Oh, oh, oh. 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 
But what we will give you is the, the discursive floaty arms so that you don't drown in the pool, but instead can dog paddle in a way that, if not particularly ele- elegant, will at least ensure your survival uh, as you dip into the moon-shaped pool of, uh, of Radiohead's moon-shaped pool. But the Marcusa would have something to say about Bruce's survival there, so if you're interested in what that is, listen to our episode, but also it doesn't say anything about that, so you won't find it there. So go and listen to those episodes, read Marcusa, listen to the OK Computer, just listen to the whole Radiohead discography, live through the 90s and the early 2000s, and then meet us back here after this word from our commercial sponsors. Are you a pool owner? (laughs) Why, yes, I have several pools. (laughs) Well, as you know, you have to put chlorine in your pool to keep it from uh, getting dirty, don't you? Oh, yes. I have that problem. I think all of my friends with pools have that problem. (laughs) Well, you know where you can get the cheapest chlorine in all of American retail? It's Walmart. That's right. Walmart. Not only do we recapitulate the oppressive structures that technologically and administratively uh, uh, reduce life to one dimension, we sell chlorine for your pool as well. Well, I, I I didn't think of myself as a Walmart kind of guy, but I guess I'm going to have to check it out. <laughs> no less an authority than Herbert Marcuse says, <laughs> I always shop at Walmart for my chlorine. It's cheap. What more can I ask than that? Thanks, Walmart. <laughs> and we're, and back. we're back. Hey, uh, Always Already Podcast, we have a question. Uh, so this Radiohead, with their flamenco guitar, and their, and their strings that float in and out, and their, their uh, meandering song structures, and, and they're just electronic blips and bloops and ghosts that haunt the, uh, the, 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 the songs. And the piano coda to this album. Is this a rock band? <laughs> Come, is this a quick fire? This is a long fire. This is the longest fire. <laughs> we have lit a fire that will burn for the next hour. I mean, it's. I don't think that's a question that we can answer just on the merits of Moonshaped Pool mm. on its own, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, I made the comments to all of you, uh, you know, many hours ago, many days ago, when we began our podcast journey to the Moonshaped Pool, uh, that, like, Many parts of this uh, album sound to me like generic good Radiohead, um, and I mean that as a compliment uh, to Radiohead and to music generally, right? So the the, the question of is and to Radiohead your own musical taste. and to my own musical taste, <laughs> of course, um, uh, always alright to my own musical taste. But the answer to your question is, you know, is is Radiohead or is Radiohead a rock band? Is also I think the answer to the question is a moon shaped pool, uh, a, ro- a rock album. Mm-hmm. Well, the I mean, and the other way into this question, right, is that if Radiohead is not a rock band, what kind of band yeah. is it? You know? Is it a band? Is it a band? <laughs> or is it an idea? Is it a brand? I thought you said you only read, didn't write the think pieces. It's not... <laughs> 
I mean, it's not not a brand, right? Like, we've sort of talked about what, what is a brand, and we've sort of talked about it on this show in terms of a brand is a promise about an experience. If you imagine a probably apocryphal general store somewhere in the Old West, right? Like, there was this undifferentiated barrel of flour with XXX printed on the side. And it, it the, the innovation of branding is like, no, no, not commodity flour, King Arthur flour, <laughs> because that's going to make your cookies good. And it's a promise about it's a promise about an experience. I think as a corollary to that, something that we haven't brought up is that uh, a a brand is a, a way to create desire, not just necessity. Mm. Right? That like branding is kind of the manufacturer of desire. And if you want a Radiohead album, then yeah, Radiohead is a brand because they have to be in order to because you want an experience. You know, you want to have a certain kind of generic Radiohead experience uh, that is different enough, um, but still similar enough, right? To make you uh, uh, to make you happy. It it also strikes me that that there is actually. Like within this brand, I'm trying to think of it's a it's kind of a vertically integrated like that there is right so that there is the the experience that you're having the promise that's being made for a Radiohead album is actually different than Ra- Radiohead Live the Radiohead Live experience right yeah. and so that um, that I still think that there is a sense in which there is like the practice the cultural practice of going to a Radiohead concert is I still think going to feel like going to a rock concert or more well it's certainly not going to feel like watching. Dead mouse or something. Right, 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 right. Right, or and it's just lights. <laughs> right, like, right, yeah. right, 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 yeah. Although, like, I'm pretty sure when I, I saw Radiohead in 2011, after the King of Limbs came out at Roseland Ballroom, and, like, I'm pretty sure, actually, like, Dead Mouse it was more like, like a uh, no, what, what, like, was the opening act. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, I'm gonna double-check that, but I'm, like, 95% sure that was the case, right? That's so super like, interesting. Yeah, there's a branding by contrast in some ways. Yeah, there. yeah. Because like the other kind of thing that you could, uh, but it also what it also won't be like is going to like a new music concert at like Lincoln Center, right? Um, or at like the you know um, some of these other kinds of you know contemporary um, art music, right? Yeah, there, there is a movement like. You know, uh, Ryan and I have a composer friend from from back in the day, and and uh, though though he's blown up, like his early stuff was there were some house shows, there were some yeah. classical music mm-hmm. house concerts, yep. right? Like living room living room shows or something. Punk and that's, punk, punk classical, right? right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, as we were, I mean, we shouldn't keep talking about Marcuse because that was the focus of the first half of our double of our double episode here, which you can find on the Always Already podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but seventh checkmark. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was yeah, it was as our commercials, our lawyers negotiated a certain number of plugs that had to be uh, that had to be given. But um, the uh, I, I kept writing punk in my Marcuse uh, text, because it strikes me that we talk about punk a lot on this uh, as, a, as a sort of protest, right? Like, mm-hmm. as a sort of refusal to accept the discursive terms that the dominant society presents you. Mm-hmm. And that, like, that is a Marcusean... What's the adjective? 
Marcusean. Yeah. Sure, I'd yeah. go with that. That's the that's, the, that's what I've been. Doing. <laughs> Marcusean. That's the Marcusean. Um, that's the the sort of Marcusean uh, discursive move is to sort of reject the uh, reject the terms of the of the discourse of the status quo and and do that. So I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe Radiohead are a uh, are a rock band, but they're a punk rock band, and so they're disrupting our they're disrupting our expectations and experiences of what a rock band but should what be. Are, but are they yeah. engaging in a politics of refusal, though? I think that's the that's the question, right? Mm. To what and and if so, like to what and to what extent, and like do they do it successfully? I, mean, I, I think that they're. I think that and, like, does that jeopardize their status as a rock band? <laughs> I mean, I think they're saying yes to Radiohead on this album, right? Like, I think there are a lot of, like, Radiohead- radi- Radiohead-ish tendencies. Like, like self-affirmation. Yeah, well, yeah, that, like, I don't think that- They you drink know, we, the New Age Kool-Aid. Yeah, I mean, but we, we talked about on the last it's album- It's comic self-love, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like, we talked about in the other episode that, you know, one of Radiohead's go-to moves has been, all right, like, here's what our fans or listeners expect, like, we're going to alienate and swerve on the next album or set of albums or whatever but like in some ways I think this album to me at least sounds like a pastiche of like things that we like about radio yeah Ed, that right actually, like the cliffhanger we left off of the last episode was where uh, I, I which one of you said it that Radiohead's <laughs> instinct was to alienate and confound yeah, I mean, and I was like I have a counter, yeah, yeah, counter yeah, argument yeah, yeah. and I think that you could argue that Moonshaped Pool has a, actually a kind of thread of like appeasement or uh-huh. uh, or like um, to the fans, right? I mean, think about the inclusion of True Love Waits, right? Yeah. That, that there's like a, a and your assessment of like, oh, it felt like a good, you know, like a good classic, like yeah. Radiohead experience. That it's like that alienation and confounding, and maybe to the extent yeah. that they've done something to appease, like that in and of itself is confounding. But I don't know. But I don't know if it's alienating. Yeah. Then. It is. It is interesting to think about Sorry, what I mean. What is a, a, a you know another way to kind of think about this of what is a kind of generic good Radiohead, right? Because <laughs> like because I think it also raises the question of what is what is bad Radiohead um, or is there bad Radiohead? Um, and, and I mean I am actually am posing this not only as a rhetorical question of like I guess either in terms of specific songs or albums or kind of specific attributes like what makes good Radiohead like when what is when is Radiohead kind of fulfilling Radioheadness um and and um because I think that that is and like what is excellence in Radiohead versus merely kind of acceptableness in Radiohead yeah I mean like you talk about it in, in terms of this album at least I mean there are several songs structured similarly where there's like a, you know decent amount of percussion and like kind of atmospheric blips and bloops yeah. um, to start the songs yeah. like I'm here I'm thinking of Identikit Full Stop uh, Deck Stark like all are kind of structured to like have those elements of Radiohead like Tom just sounds fucking amazing yeah. right and his like voice just like makes you like whoa watches over you as you're in the moon shaped pool and then like <laughs> as you like move throughout the episode there's some kind of like percussion climax and yeah. then like Johnny Greenwood's in there like doing yeah. some like very angsty jittery guitar stuff and like yeah. that's that's actually I think in some ways like um, what may be like a step above like a good generic Radiohead mm-hmm. but like so the excellent Radioheadness on this yeah. on this album is to me like captured on some of those songs yeah. and I, I think another kind of attribute that I identify 
identified um, as a through line, actually, even with OK Computer, is um, unusual time signatures, right? So mm-hmm. things that are just mm-hmm. not just this four, or if it is a four, it's like very syncopated, so it's very mm-hmm. uncentered, right? That there's this sense, um, and I think they're, they're they're playing at different things on OK Computer in this album, but there's this sense of kind of unease, right? Mm-hmm. And you're on kind of shifting ground, and that's uh, I think that's also there um, on a, on Identicate. I think it has some of that skittering kind of percussion. Yeah, well, and that's really interesting because so John sort of used the word angst, right? And then you said kind of like unstable, yeah. but there's also a way in which it's not like anxiety about being unstable, but it's like it, it does the work of the destabilizing itself, yeah. right? Yeah, so there's yeah. a kind of like yeah. tension between destabilizing and maybe like an angst or anxiety over like the the what what will come of the destabilizing, yeah. right? Like yeah. where where do we step on this unsteady so like, ground? So like Johnny's there like at the end to be like, all right, we've been too stable, so like here's my guitar part. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing that for me feels... So that because otherwise it would just be a James Blunt record. <laughs> right? Potentially. With that, with that beautiful like, high voice. Right? Like, uh, just that just the gorgeous high voice, you know, washing over you. I think the, the element that for me was a little new, and I, I have to say I'm a little... Like the the kind of last few Radiohead albums, I listen to a lot less closely. Like in Rainbows, Rainbows and King of Limbs, um, like were not mainstays for me as mm-hmm. much. And even like when I revisited um, Kid A and Amnesiac, uh, I hadn't for like a, a long time. But I think the thing that for me felt really new, and I think this has been covered in a little bit of the writing about the album. I tried to sequester myself as much as possible. Oh, which was I went really on a rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, those are the only two options. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, either you just go the whole way, uh, or or you you try to cut it off. And I, I cut off a lot, but I, for me, yeah. In that respect, Radiohead criticism is like methamphetamine. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, in, in that respect, maybe in others, um, I think that the, the strings for me felt like a new yes. kind of element, and I think it's there. Um, and you know Johnny Greenwood has done um, a fair amount of um, film like a score mm-hmm. com- compositional work for the Paul Thomas Anderson films um, and I think that there is an element of, of those and in general like um, it reminds me of, of other kinds of score work of like the scoring um, for um, like like kind of classic horror films like for the Hitchcock films okay so yeah. I, I, I have the same thing like the burn the witch strings yes. like that's like Bernard Herman yes. scoring an Alfred yes. Hitchcock mm-hmm. yes Right? Exactly. The strings on there, exactly. like you could have put it in vertigo, yep. and I would have been like, "This yeah. is great! Like this is like the best of Bernard Herrmann." You yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely, and 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 that's there. And talking about the kind of the way the music kind of sets some of this. Um, this work of destabilizing, right? That that almost, you know, um, Tommy Rock says this is a low flying panic attack, and those strings, because um, Bernard Herrmann also um, uh, scored some of the Twilight Zone uh, episodes as well, and you like in both of those, um, uh, in both the work of of, of um, Hitchcock and of um, the Twilight Zone, you have this sense of kind of closing in, um, right? You're you're paranoid, but you're not an android. <laughs> you're just a person that's paranoid, um, and the sense of Right, every kind of Twilight Zone um, has this sense of a normal-based reality that then kind of spins to a this distorted kind of mirror of that, and and I think that that's definitely there in Burn the Witch, but the strings crop up throughout the album mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. as well, um, and have these um, sense of kind of whether it's there's a, maybe they do different things, but it's often kind of providing um, like a counterpoint to what's going on melodically and kind of creating some of this. 
I think what uh, some of I don't know if it's a I guess maybe in some songs it's part of the external environment um, and in others it may mm. be an externalization of something that's internal like uh, something mean, that's kind of emotional do you mean literally like the actual like the earth um, I think that I don't know if I mean the earth I think that there is a sense and I guess I this is where I, I did dip my toes a little bit into the criticism mm-hmm. there is sense but it's there you don't when you look at the lyrics you see it as well of there are there are lyrics about um, like loss and and about kind of loss of a relationship um, and kind of dissolution of relationship and there are definitely senses in which um, that that the strings I think um, are evoking are are kind of um, representing elements of that kind of kind of a, a destabilization in personal relationship or mm. in sense of self mm-hmm. um, is kind of how I um, hear that I mean it, in that way it actually reminded another kind of amazing album from the last year that kind of is about the dissolution of a relationship is um, Bjork's Volnacura, which yeah. also uses strings in this similar way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, and yeah. Skittering Beats, right? Yeah. And Arco's, you know, on uh, yeah. on Volnacura has a similar thing. I, you know, gosh, I didn't even think about that. This is also sort of a breakup record, a little bit, right? Little bit, yeah. Um, Although there are also all these songs that are from earlier incarnations of Radiohead, sure. alongside the like current breakup album songs. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm. It's like a recont- weird temporality. Yeah, thing. recontextualizes them in terms in Speaking terms to of the that. Buzzword. Temporality. <laughs> 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 oh, what's already podcast? Just a bunch of theory buzzwords, and we all trying to get there first. Yeah. <laughs> I just like these idea of critical theory air horns, and you just go. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's like a Next secret word is performativity. <laughs> well, B left us, so that's a good word to crop up. Um, B doesn't listen to any podcast, so we like to talk about him on air uh, while he's in absentia. Got it. Right. So then, and, and then he'll never know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So I have a question. What do we think that the sort of longing for alien is? Like we're just over that longing. Is it totally gone? Has I mean, it, we like, married alien, had children, and, <laughs> like, and now we've broken up. Now we've separated uh-huh. from our longtime alien partner. And but that. but but so I hear like loss. But do, is there any longing in that loss? Like, are we have we separated? Well, do we still desire alien even though we're mourning? So this know. is really interesting. So the song that I think I actually saw this connection with... Um, By we, I mean we are Radiohead. <laughs> we, are, we, are, yeah. we are Radiohead. <laughs> uh, here's the big reveal of this. Uh, <laughs> we are, it's a, in, in a Scooby-Doo-esque reveal, we've yeah. been Radiohead all along. Um, and, and I would have got away with it, too, <laughs> if it weren't for you crazy podcasters. Um, and so uh, Dex Dark uh, actually kind of brings in this uh, the imagery of the alien, right? So I, I quoted this... Um, this line, actually, uh, in one of my uh, intros, um, but it starts at end in your life, there comes a darkness. There's a spacecraft blocking out the sky. Uh, and there's nowhere to hide. You run back uh, and you cover your ears, but it's the loudest sound you've ever heard. Are we trapped? Ragdoll cloth people. We are helpless to re- resist in your darkest hour. Um, and then I won't read it all, but then the, the verse starts, but it was just a laugh, just a lie, just a laugh, just a laugh. And so I think that there is a little bit of a... I, I read this a bit as kind of a disillusion with, mm-hmm. the, with the alien, right? That the alien, the spacecraft, is now threatening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, rather than it's kind of, you know, 
take me away. Um, it, it's much more. I mean, right, a space craft blocking out the sky. That for me, that's like Independence Day, mm-hmm. right? Like this is this is less of these kind of liberating aliens or kind of um, aliens of alternative possibilities. But it's kind of um, it's it's something more threatening. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did. Um, that, that, so that's kind of my my response there. I don't know if you guys saw those themes elsewhere, but that that was the song. Once there are spacecrafts, uh, I really uh, that, that that hung me in there. Like for me, it was "Burn the Witch" in the sense mm-hmm. that whereas like the as we talked about the kind of the subject of OK Computer is someone who's kind of um, pacified, dulled, those kinds of things. Um, to the subject of "Burn the Witch," who like both in both kind of lyrically and sonically and uh, instrumentally, like there's all this kind of nervousness anxiety but it's like has I mean and then depends how we want to read like the Hitchcock claymation Bernard Herman Radiohead right. video there too um, but like there's in some ways kind of a somewhat more neoliberalized subject mm-hmm. in Burn the Witch than in the subject of so many of the songs in OK Computer and that that's no longer that like there's kind of this dull like post-Cold War pacified hangover but instead the like neoliberal anxiety of like uh, the constant kind of uh, movement in, in, in sensorium around us. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's what we talked mm-hmm. about, too, in the previous podcast about sort of what does it mean to read Marcuse now, and we thinking about that that like neoliberal node, node of like a di- both simultaneously a data point but also a self-brand, right? And that there, yeah. I think there's like that anxiety or panic around that that brand, right? Which then gets us back to Radiohead. <laughs> and this is interesting, though, because, like, uh, you know, and, and thinking about, I mentioned this at the end of the last episode, of, like, thinking about um, Moonshaped Pool as everything surrounding, like, the, the run-up to Moonshaped Pool, rather than just kind of this collection of songs. And so that part of the kind of piece of um, performance art of this was deleting um, their internet presence, right? And I think that that is something really interesting, of that something we all probably know someone who's quit fit Facebook, or like you know, quit. I this did it for like three or four months. It was great. <laughs> I, I, I deleted the Facebook app from my phone, right? Uh, and it's that these uh, there's elements of trying to like kind of reclaim some kind of an identity, um, and even you know, the, that self is that act is itself an act of personal branding, mm-hmm. and or you know, as much as it, it may be an act. But how will you tell your friends that you quit <laughs> Facebook? If you, you know, on Instagram, right? <laughs> <laughs> You hold the selfie in front of the computer and smile up as you as your finger is poised above the button. I'm glad yeah. that you explained the... Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> we already determined that like, their best is a visual podcast. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's so. an intrinsically visual medium. I mean, there's this... There is a sense of, of alienation in this, where it seems that like a lot of the... Radiohead or podcasting? But, uh, both, I suppose. Late <laughs> uh, <I Wait>, capitals? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's another thing I wanted to bring up and, and didn't, right? Like, Marcusa keeps talking about advanced industrial society and sort of conditions in yeah. advanced industrial society. And I, I mean, I would say late capitalism is how I would describe our world and the sort of the problems, but they're, they're sort of similar. No, in the, I, I'm, I'm kind of riffing on what, what Ryan brought up in terms of the, the lyrics. It seems like there is, there is a point, there, the perception comes from outside the events and is kind of looking at the events and even looking at the self undergoing or about to suffer mm. the events or something like that from, from something of a, something of a remove, uh, something of a kind of like split off 
there's point distanciation, of view. right? Yeah, like, and that that like and and so it's the it's it's Cartesian, right? Like because mm-hmm. there's a difference between the observing between the thinking eye and the being eye, uh, right? I think you could argue to John's earlier point that it's it's te- if we think about it as temporal mm. rather than as like different distant yeah. subjects, it's like the past self like warning the future self mm. or or just like looking upon the future self with some sort of like resignation or like future self looking you know that there's like maybe rather than the thinking versus the experiencing it's the like distance from the moment of experience that like creates or, or facilitates or makes possible different different thinking. Or to like right add on. another like layer of uh, theory registers to talk about it and is it like over the return of the repressed in some way. Like it's mm-hmm. the return of the repressed of okay of like okay computer area radiohead or like even you know like to me daydreaming is like the return of the repressed of uh, videotapes from in rainbows. Yeah. Um, but to go back to a point that, that you were making, Matt, um, about kind of the outsideness of it all, like that's what enables uh, in Dex Dark the spaceship we can look at and say it's just a lie, just a laugh, right? Uh-huh. It's what we can say when yeah. we get to um, in numbers that, like you know, that's uh, the people that have the power. Like we call up the people and like responds to like the like mostly in kind of the environmentalist themes um, of the numbers, which of course is not a new thing for Radiohead right. to be infusing into their music, right? right. So that. Okay, so I, I, I think that outside perspective is like present at several different points, which is interesting then to think about like the fact that these songs are uh, are like temporally different, right? But mm-hmm. it's also interesting like the the, the sequencing for the songs is uh, alphabetical, yeah. right? So it's like a refusal to like give us that like hook to yeah, it's like yeah. a refusal to then like go and perform that act of like temporal craftspersonship. Sure, which Bjork did, by the way, in the liner notes to Volnikura right. where she, oh, she would do like it was like a one, timeline yeah it was a timeline huh. of the breakup of her and Matthew Barney it was like six months before two mm. weeks before one day after three weeks after you know or or, or some such I, I know Ryan wants to get in but this is related to to the idea the temporality the, is related to the idea of like certain certain songs from the past gaining new resonance mm-hmm. yeah. in the future because the experience between their composition and now, yeah. there, there was either something latent, mm-hmm. uh, to use a psychoanalytic term, in the songs, or they were a kind of prophecy, right? Mm. That, like, only only now, and this is something that the Pitchfork yeah, review... Like huh? It's very, like, metaphysical. It doesn't right. fit into yeah, our positivist yeah. or empirical yeah. understanding. Well, I, I think a lot of these, like, in the mm. in Chapter 7 in the Marcuse, where he talks about positivist philosophy and sets poetry up against yes, that, exactly. a lot of his talking about poetry, it's like, this could be a description of Radiohead lyrics, yeah. right? Where it's yeah. like the, these lyrics are metaphorical, they're on a symbolic order, they don't make sense as you understand making sense, but the poet says, learn my language, yeah. and you'll realize that this isn't metaphorical at all, this is literal, yeah. on on an order that you're not willing to, to yeah. engage Which on. Which is also an issue of like, is Radiohead a rock band, right? Because like, if we uh, transpose the Marcuse framework onto like mm-hmm. Rock music ness, yeah. right? Do. Like, <laughs> I, I thought you'd be okay with that. Um, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> if would I? If like, if like, uh, you know, two guitars, a bass, and a drums, and it's all dudes, is like rock music, right? Then, um, then like, Radiohead's rockness is like, how do we? 
partially participate in that while also commenting on the fact that, like, that is a structure and mode of doing and making and being musical in this genre in our age. That's, like, fascinating. The idea of, like, they show up, Radiohead shows up with their guitars and drums to be like, we're a rock band. They close down. (laughs) (laughs) And then the actual work of Radioheading begins, right? Um, I think the other um, lyric that that relates to, actually, a lot of what we're discussing, um, and especially this idea of kind of distance, um, is actually from present tense, right? Uh, Present tense um, uh, starts distance. uh, Distance, it's like a weapon. Like a weapon of self-defense. Self-defense against the present. Against the present. Present tense. Right? And so that, that, I think, actually brings together a number of the things that we've been talking about, um, about just uh, actually both about um, kind of the separation and kind of stepping back, and also about temporality, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and, and actually, I mean, it's really interesting. This was like, the flamenco guitar song, by the way, right? Yeah. Like, there's, the, it yeah, starts yeah, with yeah. this, like, Spanish-sounding acoustic guitar, like, nylon-stringed acoustic guitar sort of... Uh, sort of thing, and I was I was listening to this, and I was like, "What the fuck am I listening to?" My, like, my notes was the- that this is like the song that they made for like the first song where they go do an, an acoustic encore, like on tour. Like yeah. this is going to be in the acoustic on tour. I think I wrote down this is Radiohead's John Cougar Mellencamp song. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little story about par- There's a little story about Paranoid Android and Karma Police. <laughs> um, yeah, or I mean, it's, it's, it felt like a folk song, right? Um, in some ways, I believe this is the one. There's several of these songs had these elements of kind of other genre, other genre markers, um, and kind of being kind of post-genre. Uh, well, okay, well, hold on. Wait, sorry. Hold on. What? Oh, oh sorry. What? <laughs> was I was I asleep? I mean, post post do we live in a post genre age? Now? I mean, I think it's it, about intergenre narrative. Oh. <laughs> I, right, like because the idea. Thanks, well, I mean, because like because like Radiohead is the genre, right? Like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's. I mean, it's interesting. I'm like, I'm really fascinated by this by this picture of Radiohead that's emerging in in the conversation as Radiohead kind of engaging with a theory of rockness, engaging with their own uh, critical and commercial reception, and kind of engaging with their own artistic ambitions, and kind of using like and a theory of late capitalism and, <laughs> and a theory of late capitalism, a theory of of uh, you know. Uh, poli- you know American politics and and uh, um, and you know sort of the war on terror and technologies of of oppression and of conformity and uh, kind of using like using all of these things like would it would it be worse if they, would it be worse or better if they were sitting in the studio and saying how can we alienate and confound the the our our audience who has who has you know embraced our music and made us international superstars right like what w- would it be worse or better if they were oriented towards an audience in addition to being oriented towards some kind of not that this isn't highly constructed and determined by by external forces but like um some sort of like uh, innate drive, innate artistic uh, driver ambition. Worse or better for 
their politics or for well for us as appreciators of Radiohead uh-huh. would we like Radiohead mm-hmm. more or right. less right mm-hmm. if they ignored us or if they paid us attention slavishly mm-hmm. those well, are extreme I think this know? like harkens back to the question yeah, of exactly. like how much do we hold them accountable for the like sheer volumes of money they make on the on the like steps of their you know politics right and their fans and all these kinds of things I mean I, I think it's like a version of the same question yeah sure well, yeah. I think the, the language of accountability is really interesting mm-hmm. with respect to to radiohead because mm-hmm. it's like so for what are they accountable right um, uh, and because like I mean their radioheadness well, well I mean and that, that's really interesting though because like you, you know who is held accountable is politicians right, right? <laughs> is is, um, is is people who are somehow um, serving the public interest Interest, right, mm-hmm. um, and so that there is a sense, um, and I guess that is when you—it's an interesting question of—is that a realm that you enter once you are either labeled or acting as a political um, as a political band? Like, do you then start to be producing public value? Right. But I think you could make the argument, I, I, and people do, right, that. Like in in so we ostensibly live in some sort of democracy, right? Where we value the ostensibly the the institution of representation. I don't know. I know someone who might take issue with that. But Uh, leave America's aside. Yeah, sure. For the next six months or so, sure. (laughs) (laughs) TBD. But but there's like a lot of discourse around like public figures like celebrities like mm-hmm. having accountability to the people that they like represent in the yeah. sense that like we expect particularly people of color and women yeah. to kind yeah. of like carry the politics of like yeah. those that they the underserved that they like represent sort of descriptively mm-hmm. and like be accountable to yeah. those yeah. populations right and I think that like bands yeah. do the same and that arguably like if you're a band with politics then yeah. that that becomes even Absolutely. I mean I don't want to say like radio Head, you are you know you've let me down. As Emily's some wagging sort of, her yeah, finger. <laughs> some sort of like you're you fail to represent my substantive interests or something like that. But I'm like, going to elect a new radio. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You are a radio head of government, not a radio head of state. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. I mean, so, I mean, there's a way that we talk about people who sort of hold a special position, whether they're elected or not, yeah. in terms of accountability, yeah. in terms of representation, and like what yeah. they do for people yeah. who have less, right? And I think that, like, absolutely, well, have less what? Have less money, but also less position, prestige, all of it, access to. The, so, how do you really feel about Beyonce's lemonade? <laughs> <laughs> Loved just like reading about it. Been really there, I mean, so there's this huge thing, and Spoke one like of our one of our um, our co-hosts at Always Already, who does our uh, epistemic unruliness segment, has been writing about this a lot on the internet. That that Bell Hooks has come out with this mm-hmm. like sort of condemnation of Lemonade and Beyonce's politics and stuff, and yet she's you know like 
uh, you know, she makes a lot of money selling her books. She's, a, you know, a, like, very prestigious elite academic, and, and she has other conversations with other women who represent other women. For example, Emma Watson is the... There's, like, a... People are comparing how Bell Hooks has talked about Emma Watson and how she's talked about Beyonce, and, like, claiming that she's holding Beyonce to, like, a higher, tougher standard mm-hmm. than she is, like, this, you know, young white woman who's working for the UN, right? And so there's this kind of, like, you know... All all of these systems sort of like layer on top of one another and thinking about music and its sheer distribution and like consumability and like level high high levels of consumption like there is I think there's a case to be made for why thinking about the politics of it yeah, matters and like absolutely. and even maybe even the intentionality of it this I, is this is apropos of nothing but you really think Bell Hooks is making a lot of money selling those books right like she's no, not doing Nicholas Sparks no, numbers no, no. but you know, she's not doing she's not doing uh, I'm, I'm I'm teasing you sure well maybe the books wasn't the right way to go but, but there's, like, a, there's, there's yeah. her, her brand it's her, like, Patre- like, it's her Patreon well, it's no, the but, Bell Hooks Patreon that people are really yeah which is like her invited talk and yes. you know people pay well, there lots yeah, of yeah, money yeah. to yeah, come yeah. speak yeah. on these things and she's sort of like a, can, like revered as a figure who can say something about yeah. you know the the plight of the most marginalized right sure and, yeah. yeah so then there's an issue then of who like who Radiohead represents and who might be holding them to account, right? Because, like, is it a question of, uh, is it, like, woke hipsters? Like, is that, right. like, who holds Radiohead to account? Is it, right. you know... Or, like, the cynic. Yeah, yeah, or, like, <laughs> yeah. the cyn- like the cynic who has, like, the nothing else to offer, like, mm-hmm. politically. Is it, you know, like, we all read an article that we passed around, and I think somewhat appreciatively, like, it was interesting that there was a piece by, I forget where it was, maybe on Adequate Man? Uh, yeah, like, how, you know, how to, like, be a Radiohead fan without being pretentious about it because Radiohead also carries with it like the signifier of like they bear the standard for like pretend people who listen to music and perform listening to music in a pretentious and awesome yeah kind of way. indie broiness yeah that and so yeah. it's like and but how each of those different groups or segments might hold Radiohead in general or Moon Shaped Pool to account in different ways is going to I think vary kind of widely hmm. right well so are you saying that like if what if who they sort of if, if the citizenry they represent is like cynical upper middle class white men then like the stakes aren't very high is that what you're saying I'm not sure I'm not sure like that's okay. one of the implications <laughs> but I'm not sure that's the only one okay but don't ask me what the other ones are okay. <laughs> there is just I I, I, I do um, really like this idea of these mechanisms of kind of musicians in particular but kind of public figures, kind of celebrities in general as being able to be held accountable because I think another way to think about this in the context of music is that the other kind of mechani- potential mechanism of a kind of accountability is- that used to exist in the music industry was just the marketplace. Like, if you didn't like the album, you didn't buy the album or you didn't buy the next album. But now there is, you know, there's a sense where the albums are, are part of the commons. Huh. Right? Like the, right. the albums are public goods. Yeah, you don't even <laughs> have to buy the albums you really like. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Because it's like, cause like I, you just get all of the albums, right? They're all part of the whatever we call the the pirating the the waffles uh, from the now I think it's either still existent uh, but probably less relevant waffles.fm um, torrenting site um, or you get it as just part of your general overall stream mm-hmm. um, and you know and um, the streaming economy yeah 
so-called right like yeah. economy. Yeah. Uh, the streaming, you know. the streaming po- like bag of pennies. Like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It. Well, I mean, yeah. That's interesting. Like, if you take away actual commercial success, right? Like, if you, I'm, I'm, I'm put in mind of the old uh, of the old saw that academic politics are vicious because the stakes are so low, right? And it's it's interesting mm-hmm. that the like the politics of representation in pop music. Uh, have become so vicious because there's not really a lot of money changing hands anymore relative to the heyday of the of the compact disc in the early 2000s, right? That like as the pie declines, um, certain certain uh, kinds of social capital become a lot more important in order to you know in order to so that not only do you have to be a successful band but you have to be a good band yeah. as well. But I, I think that you could make a case, though, that in some instances, the the, po- the sort of like consequence of the representational politics are heightened, right? Because yeah. because we have the sort of you know in Marcuse's terms the the like illusion that yeah. that like the good life is possible and attainable. That like when you see right a young black woman become a multi billionaire, that that it kind of like erases the the reality of of like racialized and gendered, um, you know, like abject poverty and like all of these other things, right? So that there there are like ways in which the that promise like mm-hmm. and it's it's incapacity to make good on itself or to be fulfilled under the conditions of capitalism and and capitalist democracy, right? Like makes those politics m- maybe more necessary, yeah, but sure. but so that that like where is that mechanism, you know? And for Radiohead we might make that question like, you know, so it's cool that Radiohead can uh, release King of uh, and Rainbows, Pay What You Want, and, you know, like, not put uh, Moon-Shaped Pool on Spotify, although perhaps just for naming purposes only it is on Tidal, right? Tidal? Pool? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but so, like, but there's a question then to use the framework that Emily set up of, like, does the fact that Radiohead can, you know, erase their web presence for a couple of days, and then, like, hey, we've got this album, and it's coming on Sunday at this time, like, paper over the ways that, like, music economies, which are also racialized and gendered, of course, like, prevent smaller bands from, like, having the freedom to, like, be able to play with the, uh, like, mode of production of popular music right, circa 2016. Yeah, it yeah. must be nice to be Radiohead, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, to a, erase yeah. your public, right. your, your social did media that, I mean, Did that make you, like, A, I thought, like, oh, that's pretentious, and B... Like, but I was Googling Radiohead all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What am I? What's going to happen when I do my daily ritual of waking up and googling www.radiohead.com? I don't even go to Radiohead's website. I Google the URL for Radiohead's website just to see what news there is on Radiohead's website. I, so this is it. I mean, this is interesting. Technically. Technically, they they returned a blank document. because well, like, you when you're not uh, podcasting, you are uh, you, you are a you you work in this space. Right? I manu- I manufacture the machine. <laughs> I'm actually the bad guy behind Marquis's machine. I, I, ah, that's the question. I work for I work for. Have I blown my cover yet? Yeah. I'm I'm uh, twirling a fake mustache right now. Um, I like that you've managed to both be Radiohead and the man. <laughs> Slash machine. Uh-huh. It's quite an impressive feat. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually very multidimensional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, computer. <laughs> 
But, uh, uh, yeah, they, they actually returned a document that was an empty document. So it's like, rather than rather than being presented with nothing, calling out, hey, www.radiohead.com and getting nothing back in return, hearing silence in return, you were actually presented with a blank piece of paper, wow. of digital paper, right? Because there was a, a 200 response to that. So it's not that they request. deleted it, they just replaced it with a with, 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 with void. Blank. With a void. <laughs> I mean, I, w- did it make anyone else, like, really anxious when all the tweets and Facebook posts and stuff went away? I was like, I hope those things are archived somewhere, <laughs> right? Like, I hope that, like, oh god, you can't delete that. That's who, who are you if you don't have a, a, a Twitter and a Facebook <laughs> presence? And I got very twitchy about about the whole the whole thing. I was kind of anxiety provoking. You were, you were worried for, for Radiohead? Yes, you know. <laughs> I think must... Radiohead's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is our heads Radiohead? That, like, draws on that, that like, um sort of juxtaposition of destabilization and anxiety, yeah. right? Like that maybe yeah. maybe that was a bit of performance there. It's like right? Radiohead did a trust fall or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> or it's like it weirdly I mean this is interesting in doing that is almost like I mean this is so interesting of like causing us to identify with them. Mm. Right? Of of like in kind of seeing this like the this presence um erased, well, the desire to disappear. Or the desire to disappear. Yeah. How to disappear completely, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And that that kind of I mean that's actually interesting of whether it's kind of provoking us into feeling that or kind of giving us that like whether it's imagining that possibility mm-hmm. or or it's, it's introducing that. So that's mm-hmm. a place if there is I mean, there's something potentially subversive there, like, mm. um, and that's kind of opening that that possibility. La tête radio, c'est moi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is, yeah. I, are, are we there? Uh, I don't know where we are in time. Like, so because I don't have my usual like call recorder in front of me. Uh, we're about fifty. So no, we're not there. Uh, <laughs> have, um, I mean, I guess. Are you going to play more tricks on us? Yeah, there's uh, no, no. We're <laughs> uh, there are no no more ambushes. I mean, I guess there's a but uh, you know we've. Maybe kind of in terms of um, diving. I don't know if there are other are there other songs that we haven't gotten to discuss that um, that you that really jumped out at you guys or kind of elements of the um, the album as a whole. Um, I this John's gonna roll his eyes when I say this, but I I was just thinking <laughs> I know where about going. do you yeah I was just thinking about burn the witch and the kind of like mm. sort of like absence of gender and maybe the kind of like I, I don't know I'm like thinking about whether I, I was trying to think about whether I would like whether you could do a feminist reading of Radiohead and like what would come of it mm-hmm. and if there's like if there are if it if it's if it is any in any way drawing on a kind of like historically problematic sort of version of of a witch that represents like the the horrors of like the female or something like that. But I didn't like land on anything. It was just just a thought. Well, who is I mean, who is saying burn the witch? Right? Like, right. is that like is that Tom? You're kind of kind of enacting a, a sort of like angry crowd, pitchforks, a spade, torches, things mm-hmm. like this. Like, and and not not necessarily necessarily endorsing it, that view, though he's representing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's actually kind of a lot like uh, Rivers Cuomo's Thank God for Girls, <laughs> in a way. 
Okay, real Right out of the question. Right? What is what is a better album? Is it the the recent so Weezer I, I wanted to come in here and claim that the, the Weezer's Weezer uh the white album, the white the album recent was one. better than this album, but I actually don't believe that. Um I, I couldn't even uh to maintain that posture. No, but I think it is is this question of what so I think there it's both like what is the voice that is saying burn the witch and what is the witch mm-hmm. um, and does it matter? <laughs> yeah. Um, I also just like, like the time I noticed that the Earth is feminine, which I was like whatever. But <laughs> I mean the. With Burn the Witch, we also need to um, think about how much we want to then read the way that they chose to visually represent Burn the Witch yeah. with their like claymation, come to yeah. by like the Mr. Magpie maybe yeah. uh, at the start and the be- in the end, um, because they are like if the narrative of the video at least is like what someone comes to this medieval town right and like they check in and see mm-hmm. that like yeah the like vet fruits and vegetables are being sold but like everything's a little bit off and like we have these people that are like have tied the 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 woman into the tree um, and then like here's this like big monument that we're going to burn presumably in your honor like go check it but haha you climbed up the ladder and we burned you down like mm-hmm. the person who is coming to burn the witch mm-hmm. is the one who in the end got burned in the video yeah, right? Yeah, yeah yeah what's the witch? I don't know Okay. Late capitalism. Yeah, I took the words out of it. There you go. But then that and then that but then if if I mean that is an interesting thing, right? If 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 you read it that way, I mean, I I don't think. Here's another question: Does Radiohead want to burn the witch, or is right. is Radiohead mocking those who want to burn witches? <laughs> I I would, uh, typically, witch burning is looked down upon. <laughs> but like, I mean, it's just it is interesting, just like invoking the discourse of witch burning. Well, I mean, so literal burning of witches is looked down upon retrospectively, right? Because it was basically like wiped out a whole strata of 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 women who practiced like medicine that didn't fit into the newly burgeoning sort of biopolitical medical the rise of and medicalization of, of science, right? Or of the science of the body, right? So there's like that that historical so we like look down on that. But I think there are like versions of witch burning that persist mm. under different auspices and like that we call other things you know um, I'm like doing way too much of no, witch, no. witch talk here but no, no, I, I'm just like no, no, but I meets radio yeah head. exactly like, no but I think we let, I mean, more, like yeah it's a, I think it's worth trying to tease it out right yeah. like I'm just skeptical of using the witch if there is no gendered connotation for right. it whatsoever. Right. Like, why call a witch well, then, if there's yeah. nothing that draws on something that's gendered? And then, like, if if that's the aim, is it, like... I mean, is this, like, mocking Ted Cruz for, like, hating women or something? Or is it, like, something a little bit more, like, I don't know, ephemeral or, or highbrow or, you know? I mean, this is interesting. Like, what other... What's another three-word uh, imperative chorus that could uh, that could evoke a similar meeting, but like not kind of invoking the kind of the the gender politics mm. of uh, like the what what would do? But right, if if you're or, talking about so. It, I mean, about burning specifically. Well, no, right? no, just a, a or just burn, burn it down. Burn it down. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was going to say. Down. Right, like burn it down, destroy it, like yeah. 
smash the whatever, right? Like, I don't know. So I'm, I'm just... What what is the witch? I don't I'm sure. Not sure. I mean, I think there's I think there's a process. I, I think there's there's a process by which uh, you can kind of through projection, um, kind of make someone responsible for for all social ills. You know, mm. like and that like because it's not just it's burn the witch, burn the witch. We know where you live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that like I think that that something. I think that there's an account. I think it's not just burn it down. I think it's that. It's that whatever the kind of the fantasized bad uh, aspects are get lumped onto a, lumped onto it's a scapegoat. Per- persecute the other, right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Which is there funny. you go. That's what. I, that would have been a good rock. That's it a snappy reference. Yeah, it couldn't have. Yeah. I'm Radiohead. <laughs> I'm actually Max Martin. <laughs> <laughs> but like, even if we think back to like an old Always Already podcast episode, like where do we talk about witches? Kara Keeling's book, yeah, uh, the, the Witch's Flight. Flight, where like uh, Keeling's like working off the idea from like what Deleuze and Guattari, mm-hmm. right? That like the witch is like that what that what that which is fleeing like normative like strictures of society or something, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, well, the- and simultaneously, rep- like from the perspective of uh, holding on to the norm, represents. Like the thing that corrupts the norm, right? So it's yes. simul- so like it's there's a simultaneous potential for rupture, but a kind of like persecution that follows on the heels of it, which is like it needs to be destroyed, right? It's it's like corrupting morally and right. And, so yeah, yeah, like thus in that case, like maybe burn the witch is like. Uh, like very ironic, cynical comment on those who would who would like hang the sign of persecute the other, right? Mm-hmm. So like maybe it's not Ted Cruz, maybe it's like their Donald Trump song. And yet, isn't there? Some, I mean, isn't there some sense? And not to be not to to like drop pathetically to the ridiculous, but isn't there some sense that even though this song predates the album, like in the wake of a serious breakup? I mean, I know I've thought mm-hmm. "Burn the Witch" to myself in the wake of a serious and devastating breakup, right? Like. And that's uh, or you know th- thoughts tantamount to that, right? Like, wouldn't it be better if you could kind of eradicate eradicate this person? Um, but this but this seems to be like a social persecution rather than a personal one that's mm-hmm. that's being talked about in this song. But I can't I can't escape. But the... breakups are social persecutions, like in, well because right because it, it oh don't I know it you have to like <laughs> don't I know it from divvy personal up friends right. like who gets yeah. what friends exactly. like who gets to go to what bars or parties or yeah yeah what do you do about Facebook and yeah. like uh, all, do you delete your Facebook account um, yeah. uh, no but I think that there is I mean that's an interesting sense because there is a sense in which it is okay this is ironic but that, that that's still like then that's the idea of like well you know oh no it's okay that I like said that totally misogynist joke because right, exactly. like, it was I'm ironic yeah I'm a feminist right yeah right yeah. Um, I mean, and that's why I actually connected it back to Rivers Cuomo, right? Like, uh, <laughs> his, like, his ironic, thank God for girls, his ironic kind of bro posturing, or uh, like several layers of that, but it's I'm still... I'm not totally convinced that it's ironic bro posturing. <laughs> I think it might actually be bro practice, and not, and not bro posturing. Um, but no, this is so that, much school, guys. There is, there is, it just is that, um, that, that, that in this, that there is is a little bit of this indulging in kind of right in right even by kind of ironic witch burning yes. it's indulging in also the the fantasy of the actual witch burning yes. right and, and I think that's kind yeah. of what's there and um and it's and it, it's interesting because that 
that was the first thing we saw of the album. It's mm-hmm. the beginning of the album. Like that, it starts there. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it, um, it, it, and then I think coupled with the music, it's. I mean, especially with the way the strings like kind of sound, like it's almost like like ir- it's it's irritating in a way. Mm. It irritates something. It's kind of picking a scab and mm-hmm. kind of like scratching. Scratching at was my was my note for the strings. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, well, I does think- it? I mean, can we can maybe as a, as a way of wrapping up? Like, is there is there a way of connecting this to? The, the title of the album or the cover art, mm. right? Because the cover art is this this void, right? Ga- gaping, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, that this sort of white void, and you can you can sort of because it says a moon shaped pool, the whiteness is connected to the moon, and you think it's light reflecting off water, and that's a pool of water with mm-hmm. some sort of rocks or some sort of debris of some kind floating around it, and yet it's it's whiteness, it's the absence of you know, it's the absence of tone on the paper. And it's it's the sort of the absence of writing, writing in that space, uh, writing in that space. And I know from from Lusa Rigore that woman writes in white ink, right? And that like uh, that that whiteness, the idea of moon uh, as well, and um, mm. maybe something about ocean and water. Uh, seem to me to be kind of traditionally gendered feminine yeah. as well, and that like this, this there, there are these aspects, right? They're, they're well, there. Well, and there's the sort of crude, just like the the cavernous, you know, the, as, what the, the, as the, the feminine, the way as the, well. the white, the way the yeah. white absence of a thing or no thing yonically gapes forth from yeah, the yeah. cover of it, the album. Matt and Emily are both making yonic <laughs> gestures with their hands. <laughs> 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 Phallic looking like yeah. <laughs> it's quite appropriate. <laughs> that uh, right, like that. You know, I don't know what what is what is the moon shaped pool? Why is it moon shaped? And uh, can I get one installed in my house? <laughs> Only if you go to Walmart for your chlorine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Ad did not answer whether the chlorine, in fact, cleans moon shaped pools. It was mm-hmm. just any any pool, any old pool. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the moon shaped pool. Uh, is of a is of a fecundity that even the the antiseptic properties of the chlorine cannot. Um, Maybe it ought not. <laughs> <laughs> May ought not uh, uh, hamper its uh, uh, potentialities. Well, I think uh, although there are still more potentialities left in this podcast, in this conversation, we're going to to at least pause it now. We're going to continue continue our uh, the next ten hours of Radiohead podcasting. Um, uh, on, we're just going to start showing up in other your other favorite podcasts. It's just us continuing to talk about ra- Radiohead. Join us, join us next week on Freakonomics as, uh, as the four of us talk about the pens. Yep. Stephen Stephen Dubber. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, the, this conversation now is continuing. So, definitely, uh, if you listened all the way through and didn't follow our instructions, go listen to um, subscribe to Always Already podcast. Um, listen to uh, I, I think the Marcuse and uh, OK Computer is a good place to start. But um, subscribe, go back through the back catalog. But how, how many episodes do you guys have? Um, if you include all the interviews, probably like I don't know sixty. 
Not more than that. Maybe more than that. I think more than that. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. A, a, a veritable, you will be stunned by the accumulated tonnage of critical discourse. <laughs> barreling barreling lots, down on you. Lots of critical theory discourse to go to the gym with. Yeah. Exactly. I was just going to say a lot of gym, or I definitely do um, grocery shopping to podcasts mm-hmm. is mine, um, and is, is my preferred. Uh, but yeah, so uh, continue the conversation. Um, consider, continue listening. Um, you can find us uh, on Twitter at TFT Podcast. Podcast, uh, theory for, ta- for turntables on Facebook. I mean, this was this was a uh, all came from social media interactions. It's really been a long did. time yeah. coming yeah. of uh, us, uh, including uh, number of jokes on Twitter about the like podcast summit. That yeah, we yeah, were going yeah. To do. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, those aren't jokes. <laughs> I know. I mean, Don't worry. The podcast, got... the podcast symposium is coming. <laughs> it's coming. It will be a cross branding event to end all cross branding events. <laughs> well, it's a. It's a. I mean, it's a. It's like, it's like APSA. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. like just Great, so I'll go to the city where it is and not actually go to it. <laughs> it's just yeah, like yeah, we're, we're counter APSA. We can conceive of the TFT podcast as a as a multidisciplinary longitudinal research project <laughs> focused around two questions. One is our teenagers fucking, and two is this shit for real, right? And I feel like we need to report back from the field occasionally. And so there needs to be an we, we, need, we need to be held accountable. Right. <laughs> we like As Radiohead. Famous public figures <laughs> who represent a citizen. Look, once you start that Patreon, you become accountable. Alright? Like, that, that's what it is. You know, you it's disturbingly <laughs> true. Um, so that is uh, whether we are um, in the moon-shaped pool, whether we are, are being abducted by the aliens or just cowering in the shadow of the spacecraft, uh, we are going to be here. We've always already been here. Uh, And just know that we will be keeping it real.